Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, Matthew. Hi. Hey, I already gave up my motive getting Daniel in here because I want him to work shifts at Youth Venture. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, dude. I, can I bring my six kids with me? <laughs> <laughs> but you can. Sure you can. Why not? I got to tell you, for the people that have been listening a long time, they know we record in this cool recording studio inside of Youth Venture. And right now, I would say there's 30 kids yeah, running around all over good, here. Good estimate, yeah. And the people that volunteer at Youth Venture... Daniel, you and I have talked, it's given back. Oh, yeah, yeah. top it's quality. Amazing. It's amazing the lives that have been changed. I mean, half our worship team <laughs> comes out of Youth Venture. So I that's my bet. big commercial. Yeah. That's my commercial. Let's get a bunch of people volunteering. Because if you have three workers on Youth Venture, lives get changed. It's oh, a man. little bit harder when you're trying to get the two kids over here to not beat themselves up because you're doing a mentoring lesson in a room. Yeah, It's tricky business, but we're in it together. Hey, Daniel. I really am stoked to be talking to you. Yeah, thank you. You know, we've had little brief conversation yeah. and that, but now we get a little bit of time to really dig into it. My thing has been with Mobilize, not just for Foothills, but everybody's listening to Sent 315. Then get all the resources on our website to find out how God made them, the styles of how they communicate Jesus to people. Mm -hmm. And also they can put a prayer list together. Who am I going to be praying for? Yeah. I just had a conversation with Lindsay and Chris Flincher. We talked about how Lindsay first got introduced to Jesus by her heroin dealer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who had fallen far from God, but yeah. still knew something was there. Yeah. They'd have a three-night bender, and she lived with them, and they would put on worship music at 7 in the morning. Oh, my God. I talked to them, and I said, hey, are they still alive? This wasn't even on the show. This was afterwards. Are they still alive? Chris goes, dude, I just saw them at Tractor Supply and Harbor Freight recently. Wow. And I went, man. You got to talk to them. You got to put them on your prayer list and praying for them. And you got to tell them, hey, when you were in this part of your life, you played a role in leading me to Jesus. Wow, that's crazy. I know, it's way crazy. So that's the thing. We find out, okay, how did Jesus make me? I'm sharing Jesus the way he made me. Yeah. Secondly, put them on a prayer list. And then there's a thing called an impact card. And that's just an individual like somebody might come to mind for you. Hey, here's a person that I'm in their life and I'm a Christian like you might not have had Christians in your life, you know, when you were going through it and making bad decisions and everything. But I am in somebody's life and you write down, okay, I'm gonna make a little plan. And once again, it's how you are built. It's not banging them over the head with a Bible kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So for people to understand what we're talking about and we're getting mobilized, Give me a little bit about your story pre-Jesus. What was life like before him? It was messy. Grew up in hotels, sleeping in cars sometimes, couch to couch, family's floor to another family's floor, just bouncing around from school to school. How old were you back then? What, when are you talking about? Um, so my mom and my real father were never actually married. And she ended up marrying my stepdad, and they separated when I was like 9 or 10. And when that happened everything just declined in my life. I went from having a, what I would think, normal family life to all sorts of just different people coming around. And they were all drug addicts. And at my age, I didn't really fully understand that. It just became like the new norm, like overnight. Yeah. And then 
I was introduced to meth at like 12 years old, 13. It was just all downhill from there. I just got into all sorts of bad stuff. I started stealing cars, robbing people at gunpoint, at knife point. It didn't matter. It was just all sorts of crime and whatever I could do to just to feel a rush or to make a buck or just get out my anger or whatever it was, you know? Yeah. Um, I also endured a little bit of physical abuse and some sexual abuse and stuff like that as a kid. I guess when you have those kind of people around you, they're adults that are just all strung out on drugs and not right. And then I went to juvenile hall when I was about 17, I think, for about a year straight. Got out two months later, four years in prison. Got out when I was like 22. You know, when you tell me this story, it makes me think about these kids that are right outside the studio door. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that they're facing the same kind of stuff. Oh, they're yeah. seeing the same thing. And I understand the passion that you have for giving back what Jesus did for you to somehow have some impact in their life. Oh, big time. Whether yeah. it's at Youth Venture or it's however we do that. Yeah. So I get that. Did you have anybody in your life back then? My grandma. Tell me about yeah. that. Grandma was a guardian angel, man. Like, no matter what trouble I got into or how many times I went to juvenile hall or how long I was in juvenile hall or how strung out on drugs I was, um, she just didn't give up on me. She was always there for me. She dropped food off, would never give me money because she knew I was on drugs. <laughs> she was smart. <laughs> she was smart. <laughs> I might have been able to weasel five bucks out of her here and there, but she knew better. She raised my mom and my uncle who were both the same. So, yeah. She'd always tell me, you know, you need to read your Bible. Every time I got arrested, she's like, you just need to read the Bible. You need to read the New Testament. Just read the Bible, Daniel. And I'm like, okay, Grandma, whatever. So uh, finally, I, uh, when I get arrested and I'm getting ready to get sent to prison, she's on me like big time, Daniel, just read the New Testament. And I'm like, whatever, Grandma, I'm going to prison. <laughs> like, they don't probably don't even Goodness. have Bibles in the prison. I'm 18 years old. I'm scared for my life and yeah. getting probably thinking in my head like i'm never making it out of this place just to the way i am like the fight like fighting and all that stuff it wasn't like a thing i was afraid of i was kind of look forward to it prove myself type of thing when i finally got to a prison i was in donovan and i think the guy's name was bill or bob he used to hand out bibles for free and i think he was from like lighthouse baptist church or something like yeah that. yeah he slid a Bible under my door, <clears throat> and I'm flipping through it, just kind of like, did it. I'm gonna do what my grandma said. I need <laughs> something to do. I'm gonna read, and I, I remember calling her and saying, "Hey, grandma, all these Bibles are old. There's nothing new about them." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like, no, no joke. Like it's funny. I'm looking for the New Testament. I'm looking there's for the no, there's no new. <laughs> where i told her that one day i'm in my cell and i'm flipping through this bible and it's a brand new one i'm like there's no new nothing about what is she talking about and right in the center almost towards the center it said new testament i literally said out loud holy beep <laughs> i found it and then i made the mistake of you know i'm going to read this thing backwards well that's a good idea I started with Revelations, and oh, I was like, no. oh, my 
my grandma what were you talking what about is this craziness <laughs> like talking about these bees coming out horns and all i'm like why would you want to believe in this stuff this is a nightmare <laughs> was, i was so confused but then i just started reading proverbs and stuff like that and i'm like whoa this is actually like a lot of and if I would have started reading this when I was younger, I probably would have avoided some of my friends. All right. I really <clears> want to <throat> encourage the grandmas that oh, yeah. are listening right now. Is your grandma still alive? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. she's proud of oh, you. Oh, man. Yeah. Grandma, she's happy. She's happy with where I'm at today. I was just talking to her yesterday. So she's local? Yeah. Yeah, she lives in Lakeside. Okay, uh, I got to meet her. I haven't met your grandma, man. She's cool. so cool. But she... It's all she tells me every time I talk to her is, I am so proud of you. I'm like, it makes me emotional. I'm like, okay, grandma, yeah. I got to get off the phone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, and there's two kind of grandmas. One of them, there's the grandma that was your biological grandma stuck with you, not giving up. You were a jerk. She didn't care. She's sticking with you and oh, yeah. not being some brilliant theologian. She's just giving you the pure, simple truth. Read oh, yeah. your Bible and praying for you. Okay, so did you feel pursued by god how did that work because he got you how did that pursuit happen even when i was younger because we went to church and stuff like that i always believed in god i did i had no doubt that he was real i think it was just through all of the things that i've been through they weren't making sense in my mind in my heart i was just like why is this happening so life wasn't working life was just not working i couldn't seem to make the right decisions or mm -hmm keep my head on straight i think through all the trials and tribulations he was like trying to pursue me or break me down to lift me up or i don't really know how to explain it let me ask you this i'm wondering about this because you wonder about the motivation for somebody to act a certain way mm -hmm. when you were young and everybody's abandoning you mm -hmm. and you're suffering abuse in a variety of ways oh yeah was there anger that came across with that oh my goodness like that's that's all I was fueled by. Yeah. That was it. That was my drive. That was my motivating force for everything. And when I tell you I would just rob people, like I would just rob somebody who was walking down the street for no reason. I was robbing pedestrians, prostitutes, people getting in their car and being violent for no reason. For five bucks, it didn't matter. I wanted you to feel how I felt inside yeah. because I was just, it's everybody's fault. It was a typical victim mentality. That's exactly what it was. I couldn't see any good rhyme or reason for why I was treated the way I was treated as a kid or why I was going through what I was going through or why my parents were the way that they were or why my dad was the way that he was not being there. So I wanted to take it out on the world and I wanted everybody to feel how I felt yeah. because I felt that was at least fair. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously now I know that's not right, but... Um, yeah, but when you're, number one, a kid, and number two, when you're a young person and there's all of this testosterone and everything's going on and something's yeah. not working and you're trying to figure it out, I can see how the enemy really does fuel oh, all of this for your time. destruction. Anger oh, is a real tool. Big time. It was the anger, the pain, the confusion because of the stuff that happened to me as a kid. He was working a number on me with that stuff and... Honestly, prison saved my life. If I wouldn't have gone to prison and I had my grandma pushing the whole Bible thing to me, because when I finally got to a prison, I kind of wanted to see what church was like in there. And <laughs> weirdest thing ever, you walk into like one of these little rooms, it's just a little bit bigger than this, and there's 
chairs lined up against the wall and you have this guy tattooed from head to toe talking about God and you're like, you're in here for life for killing three people. Like, <laughs> you're talking to me about Jesus right now? But then when you actually listen to these guys talk or you hear the passion that they have and the knowledge that they have, and then you finally actually start realizing what being forgiven is or mm. how to forgive people or what regeneration is. And you have these guys just spitting this like hard, like just meat, yeah. no milk. It's all meat. They're just super knowledgeable. And you're kind of like, wow. Hallelujah. Yeah. And this tons of credibility, crazy. right? I yeah. Mean, you're, they're, and, they're in there with you. And you have these guys, like I said, who are in there serving life sentences, happy. Yeah. Smiling. And they're like, you know what? This is, I'm here and I'm going to change your life. And yeah. I'm like, how are you looking Jesus. at life like that right now? Jesus. Yeah, this you know? came off with Chris too. Chris, he found Jesus in prison. Yeah. It took that. Yeah. And the thing about it is, once again, being mobilized, we have a prison ministry. There are prison ministries all over the place. You don't have to be a theologian to do that. What you have to do is show up. Yeah. You've got to be willing to say, okay, this is important for whatever reason. Yeah. I can help that person. Yeah. So you've got Bill throwing Bible's under your door and some guys that are just sharing Jesus with you. You've got your grandma. So there's people that are in your life. Yeah. But you finally got to a point where you just were yelling at God, right? Oh, yeah. So I got out of prison. And I did, I think, what's kind of, I don't want to say normal, but something I swore I wasn't going to do. I left the Bible at the gate mm. when I got out. I tried to keep it going for a little bit. But I was in a situation in a relationship I wasn't really happy with. I got paroled to a life that I look at it now and I'm grateful because it made me work, but it was hard. I didn't have a job. I didn't know how to work. Again, I went in at basically at 17 years old and got out when I was 22. And then I had a kid on the way. And it was just one thing after another. I ended up getting a divorce. I started drinking, smoking weed hanging out with the wrong people, got into another relationship that was, holy moly, it was so bad. <laughs> and then I started hanging out with the wrong guys again, and then my father committed suicide. And that was one of the things that I used as an excuse to really just go off the deep end. Because I was kind of like balancing life. I would still go to church here and there, but I would still live my life however I wanted to and then just go back to church again and drink and do whatever I want to do. And I wasn't really in the faith. I was just teeter-tottering, right? Yeah. On Thanksgiving, I went to go see my dad. And when I pulled up to his driveway, I got out of the car. My kids got out of the car. And I took a few steps down the driveway and I was like, you know what, you guys, let's get back in the car and leave. And we left. A few weeks later, my dad committed suicide. And I took that as, I took responsibility for that. The devil just got in me good mm -hmm. with that one. I was the guilt and the shame. It was like, you could have been that little bit of light that could have just maybe kept him here. But instead, you got in your car and you turned your back on him and left. And I carried that for a long time, like a long, long time. And it just ate me up. And it destroyed me from the inside out. Next thing you know, I'm divorced again. And I'm back to doing every drug you can think of besides heroin. It's like the one drug that always scared me. I would never touch that one for some reason. Thank God. For yeah. good reasons. Yeah. 
it just scared me up. But I was back to doing speed again, got on a Harley, hanging out with all the wrong guys, doing all the wrong stuff, stuff that could have probably should have landed me in prison for the rest of my life. But thank God it didn't. And then I was on my way to work one day. It was like four in the morning or something like that. I had a long drive. I'd like be up in Carlsbad or something like that. I'd been up for a couple of days and took like a big old swig of moonshine to kind of calm my nerves. I'm driving down the freeway, leaving Alpine. It was like I heard God's voice out loud. Daniel, if you don't stop, I'm going to stop you. And I said, F you, lit a cigarette and turned my music up. Three days later, sitting in the back of a cop car. Took the cops on a high-speed chase with a stolen Harley and Alpine, and it didn't work out well for me. I had to get an attorney, and the cost of that attorney, it put me in my mom's house. I had to go live with my mom because I couldn't afford the rent. So here I have all these kids, a fiancé, and we're sleeping on my mom's floor and in the garage trying to make a bedroom type of deal, and it was just all bad. Ended up getting into an altercation with her husband, which got me kicked out. So now they're there. I'm sleeping in my car. I'm starting to just, I'm fighting with God. Like, what is going on? Why is this happening? What do you want from me? And I was talking to a, one of my old pastors. His name is Pastor Louie from Vessels of God. It's kind of like a private little church he's got in Logan Heights area. And, uh, I'm just venting to him about all this stuff and how mad I am about this, that, and the other. And the second time I'd ever mentioned what happened to me as a kid was to him. And he stopped me and said, wait, what did you just say? And I'm like, what? He's like, you just mentioned something about being sexually abused when you were a kid. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And he's like, you need to face that. You need to deal with that. You've never told anybody else this? And I was like, yeah, two other people, my sister and my ex-wife. He said, well, you need to write those people a letter, man, and you need to let it go. Mm. And you need to get that off your heart. You're not bipolar. You don't have all these issues that the doctor is saying or that everybody else is saying. You're brokenhearted. Mm. Man, writing those letters was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. It was so hard. But I did it, and I gave them to who they belonged to. And caused a lot of problems, <laughs> stir up a lot of stuff, but it was the most freeing thing I ever experienced in my life. Wow. I have not desired one sip of alcohol, any type of drugs, nothing like that since then. I've been like free. That's so kind neat. of a release to that anger. The most yeah. freeing thing that I have ever experienced. Oh my gosh, I just that just saved my life. Do you stay in touch with Pastor Louie at all? Is he still around? Uh, here and there. You should yeah. write him a letter if you well, have Oh, I have. I text him every good, once good. in a while just to be He's like, hey, thank you for everything you did. Uh, thank you for set helping him a podcast. Me. Yeah, uh, so many of the times people don't know the impact that they had on a person's life. Yeah. And that saying, hey, you did this for me, or I want to remind you. I know I told you, but I want to remind you this because there's people that are listening who have poured into somebody's life and they really don't know how it's going or if yeah. they're having an impact or anything like that. Yeah. I want to talk to you about something. When you and I were talking, we talked about, hey, it doesn't just stop when you finally hit the bottom of the barrel and you finally give up and you give your life to Jesus. That's critical. That's got to happen, right? Yeah. And that happened for you, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember the time and the place or what that was about? Yeah, I was sleeping in the back of my truck. Okay. So that's when I was fighting with God. I was facing like eight to 12 years in prison 
and I had my kids, they were there and I'm over here and I was like, what do you want from me, man? I was contemplating suicide. I'm like, everybody would just be better off without me. I can't do this. This doesn't make sense. It would just be better if I was gone. And he was like, just get out of the way, dude. Let me do what you can't do. Stop trying to do it yourself. And right then and there, I just accepted, okay, well, if I got to go to prison, then I'm going to do it with my head high and I'm going to give back while I'm there. I'm going to serve like 110%. And if I got to be there to help other people, and this is what you want me to do, to go back into prison and be a Paul and try to help and reach out to people from there, then that's what I'm going to do. Once I had that acceptance, whatever your will is for me, I'm going. Let's go. I'm not going to fight anymore. Let's go. I'm going to take it like proudly. Let's go. And... Uh, well, I'm curious. Number one, I got to say what happened. <laughs> Did you go back in? I uh, I went to court a few weeks later and they told me, you're probably going to do two to three years with halftime. And I'm like, it's nothing. I could do that standing on my head. That's cool. And then they came back out and said, well, for some reason, the judge is in a good mood. You got three years probation and an ankle bracelet. I was like, dang it, I what? wanted to get into prison so I could serve <laughs> Jesus. Could, let me talk to the judge. No, you don't even understand. So the first time I got arrested, I was 18 years old. I pretty much did the same thing. I took the cops on a high-speed chase from in a stolen vehicle from Lemon Grove to El Cajon Boulevard right there. Got out, crashed, jumped off the bridge like a dummy. I didn't think he was that far down. and It was far. That hurt. <laughs> I got sent to prison for four years with 85%. I pretty much did all of it because mm-hmm. I got into like prison riots and all that stuff and went to the hole and everything. So it kind of tallies up your time. Right. But this time, here I am. I have two strikes. Granted, I paid an attorney. The first time I didn't, but this time I paid like 10 or 12 grand for an attorney. And I don't even see the jail cell again. I'm like, Man, So I love that part of it. But I want to get to the next part because right now you're just piecing people together who are like the people listening, Mm -hmm. people speaking truth to you. Louis, build a Bible dude, uh, tatted out guys in forever and he's saying, I'm happy, I'm going to share Jesus with you, your grandma, your grandma, your grandma, your grandma. But then you get connected with some guys. You call your friend Tim and why did you give him a call? What was that about? Well, he's always been one of my friends that I could always be like honest and real with, no matter what, if I was struggling with something in my marriage or alcohol or even drugs, it didn't matter. We've always been, had kind of like an open book with each other. We worked with each other for quite a while. Um, so we got pretty close. You still close with him? Yeah, I'm fairly close with him. And still. would you say he's a Christian or yes. is he just a good guy? No, okay. he's a Christian. So there's another person in your timeline, in your story. There's Tim, who's the kind yeah. of guy who you can trust, who will play it straight with you, and you say, what to Tim, and what does he say to you? Called him, and I was telling him how I wanted to get into a church where I could do something and be a part of a church and serve and get my family something. Because the other church I was going to was super rad. It was far away, though, and super small, so it was hard to get the kids involved in much. And he's like, I'm going to send you over Drew Miles' number. He's like, do you remember Drew Miles from Greenfield? And I'm like... Yeah, I remember Drew Miles. Everybody knows Drew Miles from Greenfield. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) So I called Drew 
And I kind of just like break down my situation to him. And he remembers me. He knew I was bad, way bad even back then. I think I got kicked out of Greenfield for pulling a knife on somebody. That was that bad. Anyways, he was like, yeah, man, I got this home group I do. And there's a youth venture and foothills. It's got everything. So we started off by going to his home group when they were at his house and stuff. And man, I, it was weird. I'm not going to lie. It was super weird. I felt so out of place like tattoos from head to toe on me and like all these other family members are like super nice and polite and i'm like i hate that they these guys they don't <laughs> they don't like us they don't like me but no it was enemy still they, whispering oh stuff he's still in your whispering ears. in my head me yeah, and my yeah. wife are both like this super strange why is everybody so nice this doesn't even make sense like this feels fake this isn't real you know yeah complete completely lie they were so embracing and so loving and so kind and i mean drew still to this day i call him and ask him anything yeah. he's connected me with all sorts of other guys at the church like neil and ryan steckler and his brothers and stuff and he's helped me with my business and yeah he's been, he's just been a rad pillar and see, this is the point for me and other people in the timeline, because it doesn't just stop when you bow your head, close your eyes, raise your hand, give your life to Jesus. There's a lot more that needs to be done, right? There's a lot of things you still work through. You have accountability and you get encouragement and yeah. you, you grow. You can call it discipleship if you want to, but the deal is becoming part of the the family of God, yeah. which you can't even imagine when you don't have a family at all, or oh, it's man. horrible, right? Yeah. So those people that are listening who say, what role do I play? There takes some sacrifice and some time out to be a home fellowship pastor yeah. or to come alongside somebody and spend some time with them and mentor them. Yeah. That's part of the process and part of the mobilization people need to do oh, yeah. to execute the purposes of God. Yep. So I want to do two things to, to wrap it up. One is... How do you share your faith now? How do you share your story now? Just like this. Um, obviously, it's not always on a podcast. I was going to say, on a podcast? <laughs> you know what, though? No. This is ministry. You yeah. sharing your story here is going to touch somebody I hope so. who either has been or is there, who knows, who's going to listen to it, yeah. and or who has somebody in their family that they maybe would have given up hope on, not like your grandma. Yeah. So this definitely is part of that. And what about when you're not on a podcast? It's pretty much doing this is talking to somebody. Talk to like a lot of the younger guys at work or anybody else that that I come across where I'm spending a little bit of time with. People have a lot to ask me. Like they look at me. Again, I have tattoos from my neck down to my, my feet basically. And they like, what, so what's your story? It, well, that's the greatest that's, question in the world. That's all, I get that and, all the time. Like, what's your story? <laughs> what a better way to open a door. Can't tell you how many times I've had people, they'll ask me about my tattoos. Oh, where'd you get those tattoos? Because most of them look like they came from prison because they did. And anybody who has tattoos, they can tell the difference between shop tattoos and prison tattoos. And I'm like, oh, you really want to know? Like, let's talk about it. See, that, that <laughs> is so I love incredibly that. I cool. I love that. Because, yeah. you know, we do these styles thing, and I don't know if you need to take it at all. I want you to because I want to see how it comes out. But there's one called My Story mm -hmm. that you share your story, and that's how you share Jesus. And there are people who haven't taken a step of bravery that you have where you've really opened up about things that are hard and sensitive, right? Yeah. But then when you just open up and say, this is how it was, this is what Jesus did for me. 
by the way, he'll yeah. do it for you too. Just being able to open up and kind of relate to people on a completely different level because there's a lot of things that it, I've gone through that I, I think not a lot have gone through and have made it through. And I make it a point no matter what or who I'm talking to. I'm like, dude, I didn't do this by myself. Yeah. I did not do this on my own. It was a lot of hard work and bruised knees, praying hard, stepping out in faith and actually listening and being obedient and putting the boots to the ground and doing the hard work and digging deep within myself, going far beneath the surface to extract the victim mentality and all that, you know, like why poor pity, woe is me type of attitude and allowing God to rewire my brain mm. so that I can look at it and see that, you know what, he didn't put me through, but he allowed those things to happen in my life so that I could do something greater with them. Yeah, right on. And that is what I know I'm called to do for sure. Yeah. So I try to just be honest and open about my experience in life with whoever I can. Yeah, you're doing it right on. I'm proud of you, man. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, would you mind closing us up in prayer? Because I'd love for you to pray for the people that are listening about what they might take away from this. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time and the fellowship I got to have with the brothers here and giving me the opportunity to share my testimony with whoever's listening. And I pray that it reaches the ears and the hearts of those who need it the most. Lord, I pray that you soften the hearts of those who are listening. And I pray that you encourage everybody else who's hearing this, Lord, that to to move forward and to not be stuck in a rut and not to be a victim of a circumstance, Lord, but learn how to be a victor and understand that through you all things are possible. If I can do it, anybody can through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Let's mobilize. Amen.